Hello, hello, welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goomba Stomp's number one only anime podcast. I'm your host, as always, Matthew Ponte, the all-seeing eye. Joining me this week is Kyle Rogashon, the... The... Uh, the other seeing eye, because you have two eyes in your body. <laughs> that's, that's, okay. I don't know what that makes Harry. I, I, I give that a one out of ten. Harry oh, Morris also joining whatever. this week is the I don't know. What do you want me to say? What is your Chunibio name? Come uh, up with some like call up harken oh, back is to that your what high we school were going days. For? Uh the all fearing kneecap. I don't know. All fearing kneecap. Okay. Harry <laughs> Harry the all fearing kneecap. That works. I give that a yeah, five okay. out of ten. Cool. Hey, I you. mean, if your kneecap were threatened, like your kneecap can do a lot of damage to people because this is just solid oh, bone. Oh yeah, yeah. If you can, can we, sp- that can we spend the entire face? podcast episode talking about kneecaps? Nice. Yes, we are, we are well, I, we are now an anatomy podcast. We are an uh, anatomy I actually anatomy scraped Ichiban. my kneecap, Welcome to kneecap uh, several times back when Goomba I was like number one kneecap podcast. I'd always pick at the scabs on my kneecap. Anyways, anime. Yes. Oh, yeah, this is it. This isn't kneecap Ichiban, unfortunately. This is anime Ichiban. <laughs> so welcome <laughs> to a already rambunctious episode. <laughs> How are you guys doing? I know Kyle has been up for I'm running us. on three hours of yep. sleep. Yep. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Oh, I think... It is already paying off dividends. We're two minutes in and we're talking about anyways. Yeah, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, it's going good. I just got back from a vacation like a week and a half ago. Basically, between the last time we recorded and this time we recorded, I was just ba- off in Vail, Colorado, snowboarding constantly, essentially. And that was incredible. I hadn't snowboarded in about a year and a half, but got back on it pretty quickly. And I definitely felt myself improve. And I took nice. some falls, but it's all good. Nothing broken. That's How the important are your part. legs? So here's the thing. We were actually really prudent about recovering in between days. And the place we were staying really? out had a hot okay. tub. And so oh, that helped a shit. lot. Yeah. yeah Sorry. Yeah. That was a, probably a very nice vacation for you. That just sounds very nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 It was very nice. Now we're back in the real world. And it's also very odd for me because I came back to work. It's like, okay, time to get working. And as a biologist, you have to like ramp things up. You can't just like start an experiment, have data going right then. You have to like thaw the cell lines and so on and so forth. So now that I have all my stuff ready to go again, we're actually getting ready to shut down again because we're moving to a new building and we have to have everything shut right. down for that. So I'm basically getting no work done in these two weeks that I'm back, which is really weird. Wait, so what are you doing at work? Uh, at work, I'm doing like little small scale experiments here and there that I can do. But oh, okay, not- okay, but nothing like like overarching or like right nothing that's like super uh gotcha propelling for the projects as a whole gotcha harry we haven't talked to you since Hello. the previous decade <laughs> who is he yeah um oh god yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I wasn't here for the last episode correct yeah i can't remember why i was probably doing something really really interesting and i, I couldn't make it for some reason but uh no i've been good i uh I had a good christmas had a good new year um, I got some good games. I was playing Sekiro over Christmas. Oh, yeah. I, got that. I was enjoying it. It was really good. And I got to the boss with, uh, he's on a horse and he's like got a big spear or something. 
Oh yeah, uh, the, the, I forget his name too, but yeah. He, he's a, he was a bit of a prick, but um, I, I tried him once and he killed me the first time, but I had to stop playing because I got poorly over Christmas. So yeah, like, what? Oh, poorly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, as much as I was enjoying it, I can't really do a game like that when I'm not feeling like, when I'm struggling to just stay awake and struggling mm-hmm. to not feel like absolute yeah, shit. Yeah, that's it's not difficult the kind to of fully, game you want to play. Yeah, so I, I think I, I kind of gave it a break for a while and I've not gone back to it yet, but I will do it at some point. But then I also realized Sekiro is probably the worst game to drop midway through because <laughs> you start to build some skills and it's just like you go off. So mm. I, uh, I've i been playing some other bits. I've been uh, playing the Zero Escape games. Oh, the, uh, oh are you starting oh, at 999 or are yeah, you going? No, oh, so perfect. I started with 999 and then I went to Virtual's Last Virtual's last Reward and I'm playing through that currently. So then, did you what did you play 999 on? Uh, PS4 because it's all been like ported. Oh, over. okay. So how do I ask this without spoiling something? I know the, um, la- the last puzzle is yeah. was shit. Like oh, that's unfortunate. Y- yeah, I mean, doing it on the PS4, I couldn't figure it out at first, and then when I did find out the solution, it's like that's the solution. If if that makes sense, like yeah, because that's the thing about nine 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 and the final puzzle. It nine 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 is the only game in my mind that can only work on the DS software. Its story can only work on the DS software. That that. That's all I can say about it. And what you're saying about the final puzzle, how it just doesn't translate it at all, uh, mm. just affirms my fear. So that's really unfortunate. Anyone who's interested in getting to 999, if you can somehow get your hands on the original DS version, I highly encourage it. But if not, like there's a bunch of other versions, it's fine. It was, You'll it was, just miss it out was still gr- It was still great on PS4, yeah. obviously. It was still really enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I've been having fun with that. Uh, yeah, w- what's news with you guys? What games have you been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter Iceborne since I got back Ooh. and everyone is ahead of me because they have four days on me since launch. I, the PC version at least. And I'm a very big monster hunter fan. I've been playing since, I guess I can't say I'm that big compared to a lot of other fans. I got into it and try on the Wii, but there's, there's something about just fighting a boss for 40 minutes and coming out on top. That's just so very satisfying. That's the entire game. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've been getting back into Iceborne and getting the skills back up. I suck right now. I'm having my friends kind of like get me back up to speed. I kind of hacked the PC game so I could skip the main story because I played the original game on PS4, but I didn't want to play through the main story again on PC just so I could play Iceborne. <laughs> so I hacked it so that I'd just be at the end of the story. But the drawback to that was that I had no gear <laughs> to go into the new expansion with. So I had to kind of form that up. But even, even so, I... I love Monster Hunter. There's just, in terms of nail-biting moments, there are very few game franchises that rival it. Maybe just like you, to your point, Sekiro and the Dark Souls series and Bloodborne. But yeah. it's just so, I just love the raw games adrenaline Games are kind of like, I guess, slower with the combat, but that slowness works to build that tension. Oh yeah, exactly. Slow, methodical, like thriller. You have to, you have to yeah. balance out like when you go in, when you pull back and so yeah, on and yeah. so forth. It's a franchise I need to get into because I know it's meant to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. Well, it's a game Monster that has always been one of those franchises where it feels like you need to kind of dump a lot of time into this. Yeah, that's the thing. I wouldn't say a lot of time, but you definitely need to give it a solid shot to for it to, before mm-hmm. it to click because there are, I think, twelve weapon types, something like that, and they all mm-hmm. play vastly different from one one another. And so you have to put in the time to experiment with all of them. And then you eventually find the one that clicks with you. There's always at least one weapon that clicks with every person. 
For me, it's the insect glaive and the charge axe. For a lot of my friends, it's the hammer and the lance or, or the dual blades. Longsword is really popular. So it, it requires a lot of experimentation, which some people don't have the time or patience for, which is understandable. But it it pays off in dividends. I, I reviewed the original Monster Hunter World on PS4 when it came out back when. And the the way I described it was that it it demands excellence, but it provides excellence in return. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, I guess is kind of like the same as Dark Souls or Bloodborne or Sekiro, where, like, it demands a lot of you as a player, but the outcome right. is amazing. Exactly. Kyle, have you been playing anything when you were conscious? Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been, I've, I've been very fortunate. Um, so because I, uh, was very nice to Isprid last year and gave them like a lot of coverage and I'm, I'm, I got pretty chummy with them at the booth. Mm -hmm. Uh, they gave me a month, uh, early access into world of horror, which has been fucking fantastic. Yeah. I played that at PAX East last year. It was, it seems like a trip. God. It's everything I fucking expected and wanted out of the game, and it's perfect for it. Okay, so people who don't uh, know what World of Horror is, tell tell them what it is. So World of Horror is a game by Nordic. I don't know which Nordic country, because I forget. <laughs> but Nordic developer Panstas, uh, he is a solo developer. He's been making this game for the past five-ish years, I think. And it is an homage to 90s-era japanese adventure games and the horror series of junji ito Mm -hmm. so the premise is that you are one of several characters who lives in a small seaside japanese town where there are like several oddities and mysteries happening around town and you have to solve all of them to figure out how to stop elder gods from encroaching on our world and consuming humanity and it takes a lot of uh, calls from Junji Ito, but also <clears throat> like very classic, like kind of slasher movies, Japanese horror and uh, eldritch mythology and stuff like that. So it's this fucking fantastic pastiche of like Western and Eastern horror and symbolism. And it just works so well. And the, the whole thing is done as if it were like a 90s a computer game so it has that like one or two bit uh pixelated aesthetic so do you know how really, he did the art uh is that a, a do, do you know yeah so i i actually talked to him at pax east last year so i asked him how he did the art so you know what he used to make all that no he did it all in ms paint oh my god yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, you can see I it. guess that's yeah. like how you, you, you can see it. You definitely see it. Uh, I that, I thought that like might've been like a special Photoshop tool, but no, I guess it makes sense because it's got that very grainy feel. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, MS Paint is just a tool. Exactly. Right? So if you're going for that specific aesthetic and that specific like pixelated grainy look, it works fantastically. It all of the menus, uh, all of the characters, all of the lettering, uh, everything is done with that very grainy, uh, monochromatic, very stylized uh, look, and it works super well because the game is very minimal. It's it, it it's menu. It's a menu fucking simulator, meaning you're clicking through buttons, you're clicking through tabs, you're reading a bunch of stats and like blurbs about what's happening. But the it's wonderful because first of all, it's a roguelike, 
So you're encouraged to like play through and die because the rules are stacked against you. Uh, so for somebody like me who loves playing like tabletop RPGs as well as adventure games, this is right up my alley because there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of trial and error, and there's a lot of flavor with the space in between where you kind of make those connections yourself like a roguelike where it gives you all of those disparate elements and you piece together your own story. So it works because you have all of these different mysteries around town, these different events where like weird shit's happening, like this lady who's trying to like cut your face off with scissors. There's like weird fucking mutants roaming the streets. It's just so good and so difficult. And that kind of goes back to your guys' point about Monster Hunter and Sekiro where these are games that challenge you and they demand a lot of you, but for the specific kind of player that these are made for, we are the kind of people that like investing that time and like almost kind of like feeling that crushing defeat so we can get the very rewarding high. We're masochists. Yeah. We are masochists. <laughs> That's exactly That's how. why we watched Weathering with you. Oh boy. Oh, and we that, will. That's a nice we will. Segue. Uh, or is it? Yeah, are we, are we taking get, we can, for a we'll, we'll we'll get to that well, later. We, we, we'll, we'll get talk to that about later. We'll get to that but later. I, we we yeah. have feeling. There you go. Preview. preview. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, yeah. I'm I'm glad you're enjoying that a lot. It definitely caught my attention. I I, re, I, I love it. It so, definitely well, seems like it's got I, I replay value too because it's got different love outcomes. Love Isbird's right. booth so much. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to uh, catch them at uh, Pax East this year and hopefully nice. meet the developer of Valhalla this time around. But we'll see. He oh, might be God. too busy again. He's such a he's such a chill dude. Yeah. But yeah, that's a wrap for that. Ready to talk about some news? Yeah, let's go for news. it. All right. So we're going to be a little light on the news this week because we got two rather meaty topics to talk about today. One of them Kyle spoiled just now. And Fuck so, you, Kyle. How dare you? Yes, you are fired <laughs> from this group. I'm meeting you for the rest of the podcast. I'll talk and about it. We're talking about uh, atmosphere with us. I don't know. Exactly. But yes, we will be talking about Makoto Shinkai later. But right now we're going to be talking about Satoshi Kon. Because this is fresh off the press as of yesterday. It comes from the Japan Times. And so uh, Satoshi Kon, very famous now uh, late director who is the creator of the trilogy Millennium Actress, Perfect Blue, and Paprika. He unfortunately passed away in 2010 due to uh, pancreatic cancer. But he is being post posthumously 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 yeah posthumously uh awarded the Windsor McKay award at the at the Annie Awards in Los Angeles and the Winsy McKay oh. award is one of the highest honors given to an individual in the animation industry in recognition for their career contributions to the art of animation that's awesome. and that's art of animation oh, cool. in general so western as well so to give you a few examples mm-hmm. of other people who have got this award you got Osamu Tezuka Ralph Bakshi and Walt Disney. So oh, wow. it is on the tier of those people. And mm. so he is being honored 10 years later for his accomplishments on, on par with these landmark directors as well. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I can't talk much about it because I still haven't seen any of those three movies. I need to. <sighs> I know they're really good. You should. Yes. Did you ever watch Paranoia Agent? I watched a single episode of it way back oh when it was God. on like Matt, Tsunami, I come think. On. Yeah, so yeah. I, I unfortunately, really they're, they're I, good. I know, they're good. I, I have no doubt that I would enjoy them. And so, Kyle, can you tell me what makes them good? Why is Satoshi Kon being honored these 10 years later for these movies? So the thing that Satoshi Kon does really well, um, at least as a director with, you know, Paranoia Agent in these movies, is that he 
I, I would say it's very similar to um, how, like, God, what was that show with, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name, where, like, they predict crimes before they happen. They have, like, that cool gun. Psycho. Oh, uh, Psychopaths. Psychopaths. Okay, so Psychopaths and then uh, Death Parade. So those two shows, like, look at, like, very realistic crimes, right? And, like, the realistic ways that people can commit, like, atrocities, and they delve into like the deep and dark side of the human psyche, but also manage to humanize it at the same time. That is what a lot of Satoshi Khan's body of work does, is that he looks at like the darker side of humanity in a humanizing light, but it's still very much leaning towards the like more messed up aspects of the human psyche. Um, and they're very frank, but very artistic explorations of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's essentially what I've heard a lot of too. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see why like he is, you know, being inducted um or be, being awarded this uh because the way the animation works is it's a very v- jarring visual representation of all of that, which is hard to pull off, but I mean when you watch his stuff like you get it. Yeah, I've I've always heard that his movies are some of the best anime thrillers of all time. And just looking at screenshots here and there that I've seen, I can easily see why. And honestly, like, it's not even about, like, Sakuga or, like, very fluid animations. It's a lot in how, like, things are shot and framed and colored. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> unfortunately, I can't say much more about that. I just yeah, have to take a word about Yeah, you can't say more I about that. I have all these yeah. films on my watch list, but, like, I've not gotten around to it yet. But Ugh, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely Ugh. going to at some point. Exactly. The one time it's only Kyle. Only Kyle. Only Kyle. Only Kyle. Carrying this yeah, podcast anew back today. I could be <laughs> lying at my ass and Satoshi Khan's movies are all just garbage. And they look like... No, they, they're not. Oh, we know they're, we know they're good. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you would be hurting yourself if you were to make that kind of lie i could tell no i am i you know what i probably already am hurting myself no that is full dis full disclosure satoshi khan is wonderful mm-hmm. and his work is wonderful yeah so that's that's really nice to see that kind of recognition mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. long afterwards that people still remember him mm-hmm. all right quick hit quick heat index on trigger how hot are you about on trigger the studio oh is this about their new furry series well Ugh. yes well, what's his what's <laughs> studio trigger? Answer the say? question. Are you hot on trigger? How hot are you on trigger? Uh, I've, I've not heard about that's not a heat. I, that's not a heat, Kyle. I, I really... This I'm, is a heat index. A heat. I love studio trigger, obviously, but I've not heard about this, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Give me a heat, Harry. How hot are you? <laughs> you are you blazing have, with the heat of a thousand suns? You'll have to put it in, in terms I understand. <laughs> I'm not that clued in on modern lingo. Okay. What, what does this mean? <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, put it in human terms, Matt. Harry really, really likes Trigger. Kyle. What? I'm sorry your metaphor seems to have like backfired on itself, <laughs> but you brought this on yourself. I ain't about to These get are... excited for a furry show. I know I'm not... what I'm walking into. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm pretty hot for Trigger, though. Okay. Like there we go. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I am, and currently I am lukewarm on Trigger because I haven't really seen a show from them that I was really into since uh, Little Witch Academia. But, oh, but uh, that's enough. I, I love yeah. Little Witch Academia. Too. Yeah. That's but 
So everything that's come afterwards, I've just been either didn't like or it's just like kind oh, of. Yeah, did you not wait. really like Premiere? I was not a huge fan of that either. No. Oh, now yeah. I think about it, I did hear something about is this BNA brand new animal you're talking about? Yes. The, okay. So getting right. into the news topic, <laughs> when I, I don't. When I, say that, I, I, I saw. The I like how page. both me, literally I, both I, me and Harry, just fucking. Okay. Like, just I saw just the pole vaulting over the, my intro. I've read the Wikipedia page like a, a few months back, but that was it. So I really don't know much. Okay, well, anyway. Matt, tell us, please, about b yes. So, we normally don't cover <laughs> new anime announcements on the show because they're a dime a dozen, but I figured it was trigger, a Trigger announcement. An original animation by Trigger is a big enough deal to warrant that, considering the clout they have. But yes, they have announced brand new Animal, BNA, which is a show that takes place in our 21st century, and it takes place in our world. And suddenly an event happens where basically all of these anthropomorphic human animal uh, people come up, for, come out of hiding. They've been in our society all this time, but they come out of hiding. It's like, we're here. And it goes from there. And our main oh. protagonist, Sumire Motohoshi, was originally a human, but due to some events, she became a Tanuki human. And so she eventually meets the, uh, the wolf human, Shiro Ogami, uh, who hates normal humans. There's a lot of humans in this, these sentences. and uh, His name is literally White Wolf. That's fucking stupid. Anyways, continue. Yes, and so the story will be about them uh, trying to figure out what the hell happened and exploring uh, the hate. It's kind of like the uh, Zootopia metaphor mm-hmm. of racial discrimination, things like that. And this is also interesting coming hot off the heels of the Beastars anime, which from... I still haven't seen, but from what I've heard, it's been pretty well received. But have either of you seen the uh, the promotional video for this new BNA? No. I've seen screenshots. I haven't seen the video. Okay. So the video has me relatively hopeful for this because it looks mm-hmm. like it has the 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 energy and bombasticness of that kill a kill had and the fluid animation and exaggerated mo- movements that little witch academia had yeah and it seems to be just the right amount of over the top that i can get into and have fun again because my problem with trigger in recent shows is that i feel like they can't decide whether to go goofy or serious and that was one of my problems with premiere is that once they got into like what the burnish were being used for, it was actually like really atrocious. And that kind of like detracted from the uh, the mm. lighthearted nature of the movie. And I couldn't kind of like get settled right. in it. So, yeah, because I've not seen it. I really want to see it, but like I'm waiting for it to kind of get like an online release or a DVD release or whatever. But um, yeah, do you think they don't always like balance the serious with the nonsensical themes? Right. And it particularly when SSS Gridman was airing, I was very, very close to writing our article that was would have been headlined. Trigger is better off writing dramas than what they are, right? Straight up high school dramas than what they are now. Because in SSS Gridman, they had this really, really well done um, kind of down to earth storytelling when it came to the high school bits. But then when it came to the tokusatsu bits, the giant robots against kaiju it was such a stark contrast that didn't really mash and it was, I didn't see the purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And so again, I, I felt like they needed to pick one side or the other. And it seems like, and that's what I liked about Trigger back in Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia. They picked, okay, we're going to do fantastical anime Harry Potter with Little Witch Academia, or we're going to do 
over the top new to shenanigans with Kill a Kill. But they, they, I, they, I, they, I get they, that. Yeah, they commit to one thing. Yeah. And so I think I get that. Um, especially, yeah. So on that point, Harry, where it's like the commit to one thing, that is like, that, that was my problem with Gridman. That was why I couldn't get into it. And that was my big problem with Frank's mm. was that <clears throat> it, it felt like it was trying to be two shows and had two different tones, but couldn't really like marry the two at any point in the series. Um, so if you're looking at like trigger, right. And, and as an extension of the people that worked at Gynax, like a lot of the shows from the Gynax days, like were very, like, I really like Gurren and It's still one of my favorite shows. And I think it captures like the right kind of tone that Promare tried to go for, which was campy over the top, but still very dramatic and heartfelt. So I, I guess I can see like why recently maybe Trigger hasn't been, I kind of completely forget that they also worked on Gridman. Jesus. Yeah. Well, they didn't work on it. Like that was their work. Um, like that was all them. Like for Darling and the Franks, right. I cut them some slack because there's all oh, this a one. Yeah. There's all yeah. this ambiguity Ugh. of like who was actually in charge of doing what, who like who was responsible, mm-hmm. mainly responsible. So like I'll cut them some slack for that. But in terms of like SSS, SSS Gridman um, and Premier also, and also Keys Niver. I forgot about Keys Niver. I was very lukewarm on Keys Niver as well. I, I like only their- saw the first few episodes of that, but I found it really boring. Like a few episodes in, I just wasn't, oh man, I wasn't if you did, yeah. any of it. Like I, it's just a lot of talking teenagers. Yeah, I liked the first three episodes of Keys Niver, and then it quickly went off in there. So if you already did like it in the first three episodes, oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of like more proof proof positive to my point. Like nothing, no no work from Trigger in recent years has really excited me in the same. Or even just like in the way of normal show would excite me. Space, and so, I love yeah. Space Patrol Lulico. I think that's amazing. I haven't seen that, so I can't. I Lulico's can't fun, but uh, I guess that's another point where it's like they're focused on like one thing and it has a very clear identity yeah, of that, what that, it wants to be. That's kind of what I was going to say is like it works because it mm. knows so clearly what it wants to be. It's this bonkers, sort of very rapid fire, quick paced, short kind of comedy series. And it works as that. But like, yeah, if they've it's very focused. Yeah, it was very focused, and that's why it worked. So I think, yeah, I I, I mean I love Trigger. I think they're a great studio just because I like their experimentation, and I think right. like in that, any yeah. kind of artistic medium, I'm gonna champion like the experimental kind of underdog if that makes sense. Yes, um, and I can give them that absolutely. I, I feel like even if Trigger does a bad series or a lukewarm series, I can at least be like, well, the animation was great, and they did some interesting ideas. Yeah. It, it wasn't benign. It wasn't like boring if, or bland, if that makes sense. Like, I, 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 th- I think we're still in like a window of time where we can't definitively say, oh, trigger shit now. Because Little Witch Academia really was like, what? It, it came out like the TV series came out like 2016, 2017. Something yeah. like that. After yeah. After the movie, like a few years before. So it's like, I doubt that they're like, completely shifting gears and like how they make stuff or the way they think about making stuff. It's just, you can't always have like really good series all the time. So I'll, yeah. whatever, I'll and slack. to going to your point, uh, another reason why I'm hopeful for this BNA show. So you were mentioned Little Witch Academia. We talked about Kill the Kill and Gurren Logon. And within Trigger, they have many different uh, directors and script writers. It's like, it's not always the same director. So for this BNA show, the director is going to be Yo Yoshinori, who is the director for Little Witch Academia. Oh, Meanwhile, oh. the script writer is Kazuki Nakashima, who is a script writer for Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill. Mm, all right, I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I do think I do think uh, there is potential at this. And the, the first PV we had for it 
has me hopeful. Also, All they've right. got those nice fat Netflix bucks because it's going to be streaming exclusively on Netflix and being held hostage in the US and UK Ugh. because of that. Fucking Netflix. But at me. least that means that Trigger will get more funding for it. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah, I, I, it's a double-edged sword there. But yeah. like you're saying, even though it's great if it gets a wider release, I'd rather it be just on Netflix, but know that it's going to be heavily funded and it's going to be like high quality as a result. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Is they, it a full 24, 12? What, do you huh? Know? Huh? Do you know if it's like a 24, 12 episode? Uh, we deal? do not know yet. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we have a season that will come out yet either. Uh, so it's oh april it's, it's next it's april. next season it's oh, next it's season in like, like next, yeah fucking, okay, which makes sense months. because normally right. when you have a pv it's pretty close all right okay, okay, but cool, speaking cool. of netflix uh mm-hmm. i know i know both of your feelings on ghibli films but you have to admit that it's a pretty big deal that you could finally have oh, yeah. them all streaming oh, in a single yeah, source awesome, yeah. except in the Wait, u.s except. canada and japan wait what so yeah so finally harry has something over us except he's something he Uh, probably doesn't care about (laughs) and that i like ghibli movies i need to watch some i need to watch some ghibli movies because i've only seen a few uh i need to like watch more i think um right so now you can on netflix all 28 no all 21 ghibli ghibli films are now available on netflix stupid but not in the fucking U.S. or Canada or Japan. Netflix. So, like, why? Over here. Exactly, Kyle. Whatever. <laughs> Jackasses. Whatever. See if I care. I don't. We're not getting sponsored by Netflix anytime. Fuck you, Netflix. Whatever. Someone's Give me salty. my fucking Ghibli movies. Well, salty. Well, use use a VPN. That's what I've had to do many, many, many times. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it it, no. it is really odd because this is a really big deal um, considering how Ghibli... We oh, had that topic of... Wait, huh? You know why? You know why that's a fucking thing? Because Disney owns the distribution rights in the US. Uh, ah. Ah. So uh, but why is it on Disney Plus then? <laughs> Netflix aren't the oh, offenders God, it's here. It's probably fucking coming to Disney. It's probably coming to Disney Plus sometime soon, but like not yet, which is why they're being like really cagey to, about it. To be fair, given, fucking... given their due, Disney doesn't have much money. They're struggling quite a bit financially. <laughs> so they need to hold on to what they've got. Yeah. Harry, Harry, please. <laughs> Harry, please. <laughs> that is exactly uh, the reason. I mean, that, that's cool. That that is cool. I, ugh, God, I like I can't, I can't like not sound bitter about it. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I've already seen most of the movies that I wanted to see mm-hmm. out of Ghibli, so whatever. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of much. the it's on par with the announcement of that retro streaming service that we talked about a few episodes back. I think where mm-hmm. Ghibli films, like all those old shows, they were scattered around or just like not available at all, or you had to buy a DVD, and so them being all in one location for part of the world is mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. And like you said, if if Disney has a distribution rise, it'll probably come up on Disney Plus in the US. Well, I I, feel, I mean, they, they have to take that into account, right? And they probably like have done the market analysis to be like, all right, we understand we're going to be missing out on a portion of people, but we know that there's this large percentage of people that will pay for it. So whatever, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. eat the piracy. Right. We'll eat the VPN yeah. shit. So... Yeah, it's just sometimes capitalism doesn't account for everybody. It was really funny when I saw a Twitter post commenting on this. It was like, Netflix, we're releasing all the Ghibli films um, on our service. And the comments was like, oh, awesome. But not in the US or Canada. Oh, yo-ho-ho it is then. 
Yeah. Yep. Well, I, yeah, that's mm-hmm. like, I don't ever openly support piracy, but I support uh, consumer rights. So yeah. There you go, I, buddy. I understand why piracy exists. Mm. Mm. All right. So it ironically and very appropriately just started raining outside my window. Ooh. You know what means what that means, oh, Kyle? All right, here we go. All right, We're so into this now. we'll we'll end with this news topic. So weathering with you, Makoto Shinkai's newest hit has finally, finally started airing in U.S. theaters. Unfortunately, I'm I don't disappointed. Think... It's making money because so that, that, shows, that is, gives them the sign. This is our news topic, yes, indeed. So for its opening two days of uh, January. 15th and 16th, it ranked number two in the U.S. box office, beating even Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It made $5,053,773 in its first six days. It was only beat out by a movie called 1917, which I never even heard of that movie. Oh, God. Uh, I am so sorry. I'm excited for 1917. I still need to watch it. Right. But... Anyways, yeah, World War One movie, but we're talking about anime. Exactly. But since then, it has fallen to uh, rank 15. It's been kind of steady there since then. But yeah, so it it had a very strong opening, and it's still doing very well, considering it's like your name. It has a normal theater run in the U.S. It's not just here for a week, and then it's gone. It's going to be in theaters for a long time. Um, Mm. And just to remind other listeners, too, it is the seventh highest grossing domestic film in Japan of all time. It was the highest grossing in Japan for 2019. It's done real good. And Kyle, not how does it have interest? So, when it's getting like a normal US theater run, is that like the dubbed version or is that the original? It's both. Both. So, you get both like 50 50, do you? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I assume this is combined revenue. Yeah. For both of them. Okay. So, So Kyle and I have both seen this. what, What I'm wondering about this movie is do people in Japan feel the same way about it? as people in the U.S. do, because I have seen pretty, not overwhelmingly, but a good majority of people feel the same way we do. Really? Because I, for me, it's been the opposite, where I'm the only person that feels negative on uh, it in any shape or regard. And then, like, even when I was, even, so when I wrote my review of it, and I wrote it, and then I looked around the internet to see other impressions, mine was by far the most negative review that I saw and I didn't even feel like mine was that negative but okay so uh, I, I think it's definitely is a grab bag though in the US and I don't know what it's like in Japan because I wanted to go into this movie blind I didn't want to see impressions on it mm-hmm. so yeah that would be curious to see if people were seeing it just because of Shinkai or if they really did believe that it was fantastic but so it's not a good movie let's okay so let's I'm get into this now Kyle there. so this this first part of this discussion I'm going to put in part a challenge on you. And right, this is right. now where we insert our spoiler warning. Uh, we are going to be going into full spoilers for Wedding With You. If you do not want to hear that, then skip ahead, I'd say, about 10 minutes or so until we move on to our next topic. But we don't know that. We've not recorded the podcast yet. We're recording yes. it live right now, so it might not be 10 minutes. Well, so we'll check back in 10 minutes, just, and then we'll add, like, however much time we need. We'll, just keep yes. it on the we'll clock. Put, we'll put some timestamps in uh, the description. Exactly. So check the description mm-hmm. of wherever you're listening to this. Exactly. And, yeah. Hopefully you're not in a car. Uh, don't check yeah, it don't if you do can't that. drive. Don't do don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so this first part of the discussion, Kyle, I'm going to impart a challenge on you. All right. I want to discuss this movie in a vacuum. I do not want to hear it compared to your name. I want to hear... Oh. 
Oh, this, that's super yeah, easy. Exactly. I want yeah, to hear your I, thoughts yeah, on we its can own. Do that. Yes. All right. So shoot. So the biggest problem I have with this movie is that there is no real reason for the two main characters to like each other. Like mm-hmm. at all. And for a romance, a movie that's built around a romance and a relationship, it's just, oh, we ran into each other like twice. You gave me a burger and I like saved you from like a life of being sexually abused. I guess we're in love now and it's great. And it's, it's just so hackneyed and contrived and there's no emotional or like there's no like realistic way that they like grow to be attached to each other. It's very like the, the movie as a whole is very shallow. It right. talks a lot, but it doesn't. It's it's a lot of telling and not showing. Right, and to your point, what happened was that I think Makoto Shinkai he was relying on this. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Never mind. Yeah, not hey, gonna say hey, you were the one. Who <laughs> I, I did. I, yeah, I, I held back. Um, <laughs> so what happened was that he was relying in this case on the supernatural bond that they had. The fact that Hina had this power to control the weather, essentially. And so he was almost banking on a suspension bridge effect in a sense. Like, okay, this is a really interesting situation that only these two are involved in. Naturally, they're going to develop feelings for each other. And that unfortunately just doesn't pan out because that's just not enough. Uh, We don't, like you said, we don't really see them care for each other in any way beyond Hodoka being like, oh, wow, I know I can make you happy by making other people happy. By using yeah, that's your power. super fucking weird. Yeah. It's like, the, so there were small bits of it. I did like the scene. I I, I like the first scene where they met, where you know, uh, he's like a, a like a teenager living in Tokyo, down on his mm-hmm. luck. She's like, you know, she sees him. She she goes out of her way. That that was very, that was a nice little character moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also the character moment where uh, Horaka comes yeah. to her apartment for the first time, and he's like, you know, uh seeing where she lives for like the first time they're like hanging out they eat dinner together that's a very i wanted more of that i wanted more of the mundane stuff exactly. so the fantastical shit like actually had weight to it but it was all just high stakes all the time which meant that i didn't mm-hmm. care about anything exactly so what happened was harry and the very beginning of the movie uh before these two even meet uh hodoka is working for like basically an occult magazine and he's going around doing interviews for this 100% sunshine girl. And they meet with the fortune teller. And the fortune teller just basically says like, oh, the, the, the weather maiden, she has strong powers, but she has a terrible fate in store for her. And it's like, okay, well, he just told me the whole mo- plot movie right like then and there. Really so lazy way to, so, to yeah. explain the plot. Yeah. Now, in the first half of the movie where it is kind of like this upbeat first half of a Shakespeare play kind of thing. Uh, they're all happy together. They're making other people happy by bringing sunshine. You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop at that point. It's just like, I know something is going to happen. I know this isn't going to last. So how are you going to make me care for these characters before that happens? And how is this going to change after that happens? Because they were making it so obvious that I was starting to think that it was a bait and switch. It's like, yeah. they're making me think this to actually pull something else. So and I think part of happen. my problem too, part of my problem too, is when you're talking about that whole thing. So a lot of, uh, like most of their interaction throughout the movie is like them using Hina's powers to make other people happy, right? 
And ostensibly, that should be an opportunity for the characters to bond. But it's this weird, like, five-minute montage of, like, musical J-pop rock cut to them, like, making people happy. And you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to see how happy they are together and say, oh, that means that they're bonding. But that's that, not how relationships work. Mentioning, okay, so you said about the, uh, the montage. Uh, I spoke to my friend yesterday and he's seen it and... uh he didn't like the film either, and he made a point about the montages. But to explain this, Ugh. I will need to briefly mention your name. Am I allowed? Am I given? I, I, I will allow it. I will allow discussion. it. So, so, yeah. so basically, in your name, they have Zen 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 by Radwimps, yep. and it's this one-off montage, and it's awesome because it really stands out. But it's just a one-off. And he mentioned that. Oh my god! Yeah. He mentioned that in this yeah. film, there's a lot of montages yeah. like that, and by it's the so end, by the bad. end, he was feeling like, for fuck's sake, another one. And it, yeah, it just felt like yeah. it, it almost as if Makoto Shinkai thought, oh, that was cool in your name. I'll do that loads more. And it's like, no, that that's not what you need to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so it's still in a vacuum. We're still not comparing it to your name. Mm-hmm. It's like by the fifth fucking time that I heard, like, J-pop rock kick up, I'm like, oh, my God, please fucking shoot me now. Because it's like 50 minutes or so into the movie and this is like the like we, we've we already seen like so many different cuts and the, the way a montage is supposed to be used it's supposed to cut time so that you can see them progress from like one point to the next and like see all of like the it, it's supposed to get a lot of action done um in a certain amount of time but at that point you're already supposed to know who the characters are and have a solid is like a solid established base understanding of their character personality in order to fill in the blanks in order to fill in the blanks you never really get that with them and especially with hodaka the male main the, the male protagonist they're just such a wet fucking blanket yeah i i will say like my favorite part of the movie was i'd say the first 20 minutes or so of mm-hmm. Hodaka just mm-hmm. trying to like make his way in Tokyo. I kind of really fun. Yeah, I, I like that because he had a lot of strength of character during that time because you could see you don't know what he went through on his old island, but the fact that he's putting himself through this and he's like saying, like, no, like I'm not going back. I'm gonna make it out here. It really demonstrated how determined he was to not go back. And I thought that was very cool and then but you kind of lose that as soon as hina comes in as soon as you meet hina and even after that it never feels like he's really faced with a challenge ever again right so let's let's talk about the second half now when the shoe does drop and now hina's gone uh (laughs) what 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 creates the stakes during this moment kyle tell me what creates the stakes during this half I can't even remember because I was like zoning out and like Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be out of the theater. So what I remember from the second half of the movie is so spoilers, Hina disappears because so the the like the the plot point behind it is that her using her sunshine powers uh basically is like making her part of the air. So there's a certain point where she uses it too much to like bring sunlight back to the world and she's gone and she disappears into the ether. And Horeka is naturally very upset by that. So he's like trying to figure out like how to get to her. And I think it's, he finds the solution to that so fucking easily. And it yeah. like just falls into his lap. It's, oh, you need to go to the shrine where she first prayed. And there you go. You're back together. So that's the buddy. thing. He found the solution, but then 
what kept him from enacting that solution is the real kicker to this whole part is just the whole involvement of the police in this story and the oh, guns. Yeah. So why? I, I never believe that my friend made on this, but I'll just, say in a minute. Okay, yeah. So why the fuck were there guns? Why was this necessary? What did this whole plot involvement with the police provide to this story other than to artificially inflate the stakes? All Their entire point to the story was to just cock block Hodaka from getting to the shrine, basically. There was no other purpose to it whatsoever. And it's like the conflict there is like, it has no bearing on their character whatsoever. So it feels very much artificial. It's like, okay, like why? I, I don't know like why these cops have like such a beef with you guys aside from their runaway kids and they're mm-hmm. like being super aggro for some reason for runaway kids. Also, they're who, really like, bad at being a, cops because they get away all the time. Yeah. And then like they, they bring in some like shit with, I forget the, the dude that he works for his name. Uh, Suga. Su- Suga. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 So he has like a whole thing because his wife died and then he's like, try like they, they set up like this weird, like half explained bond between him and Hodaka where it's like, oh, yes, I see that you are taking a chance and taking a risk for somebody you love. Go, my child. <laughs> and it's like, what? okay, cool. You're literally just telling us that. In, in, instead of, like, showing, like, it, they spoon-feed you how you're supposed to feel about Suga and his relationship to his wife. Yeah, I didn't understand what he was trying to, to accomplish in the dilapidated building just before the shrine. Because, like, uh, like, what? Okay, assuming that... In his mind, Hodoka is like going a little crazy. Assuming he is crazy, like what's the harm in letting him go up to the shrine and just like give a little prayer if nothing's going to happen? That that didn't that confused me a lot as well. Like why was he trying to stop him? I don't <laughs> like, yeah. know. Be- because it's dramatic. Yeah. Again, all goes back to artificial stakes. Harry, you want to say yeah, something? So my friend commented on this. Um, obviously, I want to say first, first and foremost, I fucking love bizarre, weird fantasy, as you know. So... I don't mm-hmm. think there should be a limit on someone's imagination. However, if you're going to do more weird eccentric ideas, make it fit in your universe. And my friend made the argument that, like, obviously with Makoto Shinkai's stuff, it is kind of grounded in reality. Obviously, there's a fantasy element, but it's grounded in the real world. And mm-hmm. I think this police officer has, like, massive hair. From what Yeah, mentioned. He's it's, a, it's, he has a pompadour. Yeah, yeah it's a really oh, random yeah. point, but it's just like, that wouldn't be his hairstyle in real life if that makes sense, it's, it's like, it's not mm-hmm. realistic. And it almost kind of takes you out of the universe that Makoto Shinkai Yeah, because I thought he was a joke character at first, but he was very much not. very seriously. And I think that's part of it too, is like, they play it so serious. They play it too seriously to mm-hmm. the point where it's melodramatic. Mm. Exactly. It, it kind of was hearkening back to some of Shinkai's earlier works of like the melodramatic part. Yeah. All right. To cap off this segment, just a, now, the ending. What did you think about the ending? Because that is, for all intents, well, I don't know. It wasn't that surprising, but it was a different ending than I was expecting. It was earned, but only because they set the bar so low for I'm not themselves. even sure if it was earned. <laughs> uh, but go on, ex- expand a bit. It, it's more that, like, because, like, they're never, there's never really any danger. You kind of understand where it's going and it gets there logically within its own. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. But like it's earned in that context. It's earned logically. It's earned logically as like 
far as the movie's logic established mm-hmm. or established logic goes, that's not really saying much, but it, it, the, the movie is competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like you, it, you, it's, it's, it yeah. follows the beats. It's just, it's not new and right. it's not fun. It's not yeah. fun. I think it is my biggest takeaway from this. It's not really fun. Yeah, I didn't really chuckle that much. The humor wasn't that much on it. I didn't smile at that much at their interactions. I, I there were a few like the first montage of Hodoka and the publishing company, him working for them. I, I smiled at that. That was sweet. But any, everything after basically once Hina came into play, it just all <laughs> devolved into generica, and that was unfortunate. Mm. Final point though is that like this movie is dropped at gorgeous. Like that cannot be understated. Um, like the it's way the way that Shinkai uh, presents Tokyo, like the nitty gritty parts of it, the underbelly, the dark underbelly of it, is very very well done. Um, in the after credits interview with them, they talk about how all the scenes of the rain is hand drawn. The rain is not CG, which is mind blowing. Awesome. And so, yeah, like it cannot be understated how much effort went into animating this film, and it's definitely is much prettier than your name. I am lifting the floodgates off now. We can now compare this to your name. So <laughs> okay, Kyle, so this is you were bad your name. Okay, but going let's go back to one of your earlier points. You were talking about how the, this movie Weathering with You did not give you reason to believe that Hodoka and Hina were close, whereas your name oh, absolutely uh, okay, did. So where yes. is the difference so, between that? And Harry, you can chime in now, on this now, too. Now that yeah, we're digging into this. To say. Yeah. Um, well, you know what, Harry, so uh, because me and Matt kind of took the discussion, what would you say was so strong about ta- uh, ta- Taki, Taki and Mizuha? Well, Taki and Mizuha. T- obviously, I've not seen Weathering with you, but like, I think with your name, right. the whole film was so focused on those two. It was so focused on their mm. romance and the ending, which is of them uh, kind of losing touch and forgetting each other, but then finally reuniting. I mean, your name spoilers, I guess, but... Hopefully people don't mind. I think uh, the statue of limitations is yeah, up yeah. on that. Um, so <laughs> them, them finally reuniting, it feels like it was an earned ending because it's like there is such point to this. The whole point of this film was about these mm. two characters who would never normally meet, meet. That's kind of the whole message of right. the film. It's like two characters from really far away, different worlds, and they would never normally meet. They end up meeting through a supernatural phenomena and the film ends with them finally reuniting and sort of meeting for the first time, in a sense, because they've kind of lost their memory somewhat. Um, and my friend who saw Weathering With You kind of said that he felt that uh, that film didn't really earn any of that sort of stuff. It, like, at the end, you'd have to kind of say what the ending is, because I'm not 100%, but it felt pointless at the end of the film, as if mm-hmm. there was just no point to any of it. Um, yeah. Whereas I feel like Your Name, uh, it had real point, and with the two protagonists, it dedicated so much of its narrative to them into exploring their relationship, exploring their romance, all through this mm-hmm. really quite comedic mm-hmm. means of body swapping, which mm-hmm. like there's a lot of comedy there, there's a lot of fun there. And I mean, you mentioned Weathering With You not being fun. It's like your name from the get-go is really fun. Just like the body swapping from the get-go is really, really enjoyable right. to see. Right. And then when the supernatural twist is introduced, I legitimately felt like that's really fucking good. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um. So yeah, I, I believed their romance completely in your name. Yeah, so that's actually like the biggest thing is like I believe the romance between Taki and Mitsuha mm-hmm. because like so the biggest issue that I had with Weathering With You was that the problem was not very clear, which meant mm-hmm. that the solutions for the problem were not very clear either. But with <clears throat> your name, you know, they 
so the problem is, oh God, we're switching bodies. So now we're like living each other's lives, but they work together to solve it and like live as each other and with each other. So they figure out a rhythm, they figure out a tempo with each other, they figure out each other as people. And because of that, their romance naturally develops so that when they finally like lose contact with each other, it really fucking hits because they are people mm-hmm. who have grown so close in such a like short and condensed window of time. But you believe it. You believe that they're close because they have spent all of that effort with each other and for each other. Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit deeper, though. So they spent all that time and effort, quote unquote, with each other. But Hodaka and uh, Hina also spent a lot of time and effort together. So what what separates the two? What makes those different? There is uh, so it, there, there's no problem solving with each other. There, the Hodaka and mm-hmm. Hina's way to solve their problem of here's all this fucking rain. All right, we'll bring Hina here. Yay! It's all solved now, and. So you'll have that, that, so that's like the first act, right? Or the first couple acts versus your name, which is the first couple acts of them is them figuring out, oh God, we're living in each other's bodies. Now we're living each other's lives. All right. uh, Here's when I go to class. Here's how you talk to my friends. Here's the like way you talk. Here's like what I like, all of that. There's very, there's a lot of specificity Mm -hmm. in their problem solving as it relates to their characters. But with weathering with you, there is none of that specificity, which is what weathering with you lacks. Exactly. And something, what I caught myself, I was about to say, is so let's compare the supernatural aspects between the two movies. So whether with you, they, Hina can stop the rain and make it sun, the sunshine. And your name, they are swapping bodies across the country and they never meet each other. So the scale of supernatural phenomenon is like uncomparable, I think. And so in, weather, in both movies, I feel like they really lean on that supernatural phenomenon to hmm. bring the characters together in a romantic way to create that special bond between them. But in your name, mm-hmm. it is so incredibly unique because that absolutely cannot happen in real life at all. And that's something that both Taki and Mita know. They know it's their special little secret. And again, mm-hmm. going back to your whole problem solving bit. And also there's the fact that they never directly talk to each other. And that plays into expectation. It if you've ever done kind of like online dating or something like that, and you're going to meet someone the first time, you start to build up these expectations in your head. And in the early goings, it's always, your expectation is probably always going to be better than like your experience in the first date. And so that's kind of like the relationship they have in your name. Whereas in Weathering With You, they are constantly together. And Hina's quote unquote power could just be a coincidence for all we know. It could just entirely be a coincidence that you just... I, it's highly unlikely, but I mean, like, it's not mm-hmm. impossible that she just happens to be in this place and it stops raining due to shenanigans. And so, other than that, when you take that out of the equation, mm-hmm. they have an entirely normal relationship and they didn't sell that relationship at all. They were yeah. relying on her powers too much to sell but it. But also with the powers with weathering with you, and it's like, if, especially if you compare it to your name, they went way too deep into the lore behind the powers yes. in weathering with you. It's like... All they do in your name is just say, all right, you swap bodies, boom, here you go. And there's going to be a meteor, like, fucking that, like, hits yeah. this town in, like, a few years. So there you go, too. That's all you need to know. Figure it out. Work within the context of that on your own merits. Weathering with you was all about the supernatural elements, which was very boring to watch. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting about, like, explaining things. Have either of you ever seen a horror film called It Follows? 
Yes, yes, I love it. Right, it, it's really good. Not. But like, okay, so basically, Matt, um, it's about like this demon that like just keeps following you. So like, it will just oh, walk, the name. It'll okay. just, like, yeah, it will just walk towards you. Um, and at the start of the film, like a body appears, and it's obviously been killed by this monster, and it's all mutilated. And you figure out, oh fuck, okay, it's really powerful and it's really deadly. And then for a good chunk of a film, you don't actually see how the monster kills people. And I really liked that because to me, it's like, you don't need to know. You just know that like, if it catches up to you, you're fucked. So mm-hmm. like that, it, that in itself is, is scary enough. But what happens like midway through the film is it actually shows you the monster kills someone. And to me, that killed a lot of the horror because I really enjoyed that sort of ambiguous element to it where it asked you to use your imagination um mm-hmm. i do love the film obviously it's really good but I, that to me kind of spoiled a lot of it and that's kind of similar with you know when you're speaking about weathering with you not everything needs to be explained not everything needs like mm-hmm. a detailed explanation mm-hmm. and like literally right. seeing the inner workings of it sometimes you can just say to like your viewers look use your imagination like it makes sense well, or you'll find for, out yeah yeah especially for your name and weathering with you the focus is not the supernatural element it's the characters yeah your name understood that they had very fun characters weathering with you it had some in the beginning but then it just i so i i feel like i'm like completely bashing weathering with you it had good moments right it's just i wished it focused on different elements yeah, I, it's it's not a bad movie, but it's certainly not a good movie either. And I have, if for whatever reason it's difficult for you to get like get out somewhere to see it, I have difficulty justifying the effort to go see this movie. Granted, it's probably a lot simpler compared to other anime films, mm. but yeah, it's it's not the it's definitely far from away the must see that your name was, which is what we were afraid of when this was first announced and we talked about this on episode nine of our podcast way back when it was first announced and in every single one of our fears we have for this movie were pretty much founded we talked about how from shinkai statements about how it was very generalized it could have applied to any movie it kind of lacked it seemed like he was lacking focus or direction and that definitely panned out uh, we were worried that he was going to tread in place and just kind of replicate your name. That's definitely what happened. Harry said that I want him to do something different because otherwise all people yeah. are going to be doing is comparing this to your name. Was, what are we doing? Was, comparing it to your name. I was about to ask you both, like, if you could change this after your name, what do you think he should have made? What do you think Makoto Shinkai mm-hmm. should have created and directed? I, I think Makoto Shinkai is still very strong with love stories. Mm-hmm. I think he just needed, like, I guess a different context. Because it I would, felt very... Sorry, go. It felt a little samey in the sense that it was the same kind of problem, which was supernatural powers and things beyond the characters are moving around them and they need to overcome those problems with their overwhelming love for each other. I mean, you're saying about love stories. It could have been really cool to see an LGBT love story. And maybe it could have tackled, like, discrimination, especially in, say, like, a Japanese society, which is still quite conservative in places. It could have been an LGBT love story, uh, just something new to explore. And it Mm -hmm. it would have been very different to your name and weathering with you in terms of its uh, its way of of exploring a love story, but it could have still been a really great romance. So he's still kind of in his wheelhouse, but it's clearly different. But Mm, he didn't do that. And to wrap this up, I, I guess something yeah. that I, I think 
I think this could have possibly worked out as like a 12 episode anime series because something, mm. another part that this uh, movie did well, I think was showing how the weather affects us beyond the physical form of it, how it actually affects our mood, how we feel and things like that. And I feel like if they spent, uh, if they spent a 12 episode series and each episode was kind of Hina going and helping these specific people instead of just all smushed into montage, and really expanding upon that. And Hina and Hodaka learning these lessons from people about what the weather means to them, how it affects their lives. I think that would have gone a long way to kind of expanding upon their relationship, seeing them internalize those lessons. But as it is now, it's just kind of a plot device to so actually, make this I know we're, now we're copying this off, but Terry, mm-hmm. you were talking about like, you know, approaching like different stories and different themes. I feel like it is that that's a super cool point to make where it's like, oh yeah, expand this into a twelve episode series. It could have tackled mental health. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like weather and like mood is a like are very like much intertwined with each other. So that would have been cool to see. But we just kind of got, all right, your problems are solved. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyways. So yeah. we'll see what Shinkai has in store. I, I wrote in my review that one of its one of this movie's biggest flaws is that it came after your name. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, uh, I, think that, I think it's difficult because it's like when he did your name, it's just like you've absolutely fucking smashed that fo- formula. Like you've yeah. perfected it. That is the best that formula will ever be. You will never do that again. So don't try. Don't try to and replicate that. And he tried. It, it's not as good. It's, it's like you know, that is an amazing success doing your name. You got that formula spot on. So now do something different. And, you know, it could be that it could be like, I'm going to do a horror film. I'm going to do an action film. Like, just do something. It could be something radically different like that. Or it could just be still a love so story. So it's, it's but... kind of funny because your name was that something different because prior to that, he wrote like a lot of like melodramatic, very like uh, tragic love stories. Yeah. So your name was like a very big surprise to a lot of Shinkai fans because it was a very positive and hopeful love story. Yeah. So that and was something different. That's, that's interesting. Like, the moment he does something different is when he gets all that critical acclaim. So surely he should have learned from that and thought, oh, people want stuff that's different. Well, I'll give them something else different. But instead he thought, oh, people like that. I'll do that again. And it's, well, it's like... Anyways, I'm just going to yeah. watch your name again. I'm just going to watch it. Yeah, I, yeah, I came home and I was looking at my Blu-ray box with your name. Like, man, I feel like watching this right now. <laughs> Yeah. All righty. Well, if you haven't seen Weathering With You, it is, it might be worth the watch. Like we were saying, it seems like it's pretty divisive in the US. Some people like it. Some people like us are, I haven't seen anyone flat out said it's a bad movie that they like really didn't like it. And again, like we should reiterate Matt's point. It's not a bad movie. It's yeah. just, it could be better. So out mm-hmm. of out of 10, what would you both rate it? If, if like 10, a solid six. A solid six. 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 A solid yeah. six. Six yeah. isn't that bad. Six is it's good. Not. Right. It's really not. Right. It's well, just, it's not I, good, I want, but it's not I, bad. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like we're impassioned because we expected better. Exactly. Not yeah. just we didn't expect your name. We expected better. Exactly. Mm. All righty. So that that will cap off our uh, TED talk on weathering with you. <laughs> it is still raining outside. This will affect my mood surely. <sighs> Moving on, we were not able to do this last episode, but we can now because the Crunchyroll Anime Award nominees are finally oh, out. Wow. It's time for our right. segment. You have shit tastes. So we are going to go through these categories, not all of them, but the big ones. And we're going to talk about which one, which of these nominees we want to win, which one we think we should win, or and which one we think will win, because it's hardly ever the same. 
And so to start off right at the top, first of all, um, Crunchyroll Anime Awards, I think this is the third or fourth year it's going on. It's obviously put on by Crunchyroll. It's the equivalent of the Grammys or Oscars for anime. It's been gathering more traction, but it's still rather imperfect in its voting system and how it's presented. It's, I think, a 70-30% split between popular and a panel of judges, what's who's determined that wins. Voting is closed right now, so if you're only just finding out about this right now, you cannot vote, unfortunately. But you can you still can speculate with us. along with us, yes. Yeah. And so at the top of their voting, they have uh, Best Anime of the Year, but we will save that for last. We'll come to that at the end. So first off, we have Best Protagonist. And so the nominees for this are Emma from The Promised Neverland, Gyakimaru from Dororo, Saitama from One Punch Man Season 2, Senku from Dr. Stone, Tanjiro Kamado from uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, and Toru Honda from Fruits Basket. So these we'll are start. Really good. These are really good nominees. These are good nominees. And so since Harry was absent for this segment last year, I will give you the honors of going first. So ah. who would you like to see win this category? Well, obviously, like I've not seen all of those series, so I can't fully mm-hmm. comment, but I love Demon Slayer. And I think Tanjiro was an awesome right. protagonist there. Uh, I love One Punch Man too, but season two is a letdown. Uh, I think the animation took a big hit. And I don't think Saitama really had a major chance to shine. So... Mm-hmm. I think Tanjiro. I, I, I like Tanjiro as a protagonist a lot. I think he's really well written, uh, really, really likable and super easy to root for. So, yeah, I, I'll put a vote in for him. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. What about you, Kyle? I mean, for who I would want to win, yeah, I'd probably go to yes. Tanjiro. Tanjiro? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I, I again, I want to reiterate that, like, all of these nominees are surprisingly really good. Like, I, don't, I, I mean, I haven't seen Fruits Basket, but from what I have heard of you, who gushes over it, I <laughs> assume she is a good pick to have there. Mm-hmm. So, yes. yeah, it's just like these, these are all. And even if I have problems with One Punch Man season two, I recognize that Saitama is a good protagonist. And yeah, he's a good yeah. character. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, Tanjiro, just because like. Uh, what are we judging this on? I mean, it's just it's just best protagonist. So whatever. You're the one you're the one casting the vote. I, it's really just going to go because I to Tanjiro because I like Demon Slayer more, but Emma is a very good protagonist. Right, I think uh, both both Emma and Tanjiro demonstrate that resourcefulness that we mm-hmm. tend to gravitate towards mm-hmm. in our protagonists, like Deku as well. Uh, Saitama is just kind of a a likable character all around and kind of mm-hmm. bumbles into things. He's fun. But you're both wrong anyways, because of course it's Toru Honda. She's the best protagonist. Right. <laughs> I don't know how you could think anything otherwise. But yes, she's just so... <laughs> pure and she she is an unreachable ideal in terms of how we should treat our fellow human beings but she's an important reminder and lesson and what we can strive for and mm. she kind she her entire character challenges you you yourself to be a better person constantly mm. and i cannot express i cannot emphasize that enough about fruit basket as a whole the healing effect it has on you as you watch it having finding a character in Fruits Basket that you can relate to, and then seeing Toru unconditionally believe in that character. It feels like someone believes in you as well, and that is incredibly therapeutic to watch. So yeah, my vote absolutely goes to Toru Honda. But who I think is going to win, I don't think there's any question that's going to be Tanjiro. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is like, just like the first year of these awards was the Yura and Ice Awards. The second year was the My Hero Academia. The third year was the- Oh, this so will be the, the third year was actually a pretty big grab bag. There's no like big clear winner. But this mm. year, I'm pretty sure is going to be the Demon Slayer Awards. I, so, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. I'll accept that. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, like going back to the points we said, yeah, Tanjiro is very resourceful. Um, he he has that gung-ho attitude, but he's not so fired up that you get annoyed like Asta in the early goings of Black Clover, which I know you enjoy now, Harry. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. getting better and better. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd say honestly, uh, like Tanjiro is probably like my favorite recent shonen protagonist just because I don't know, I forget where it got to like in the uh, anime, but at least later on in the manga, like he's a nice guy until he isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking and forward to that. He, he knows when to like stop cutting slack, which I so much appreciate. You see that a bit in Deku with season four, if it's the Lemillion arc. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, so yeah, as I, of today, it just literally went to do a first episode of a school festival art. Ugh. <laughs> oh, you, it's, you know all down, it's, it's, it's all downhill from here. I'm really excited. I, I mean, I've not read the manga, but I, I'm not, I think it'll be really fun. I'm, I'm going to stop saying that because yes. anyways, it's not Hero Academia. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to Senku from Dr. Stone as well, because mm. I was very skeptical of Dr. Stone in general going into it, especially of Senku's character, but he really does pull off the asshole protagonist very well, and I think that's very difficult to do. He's definitely the kind of character that you love seeing Rivet on the other characters. Um, but he's, of course, also very resourceful. He's unrealistically smart, but that's the point of the whole show. And so mm. I, I do enjoy him as well. Moving on to best antagonist. So uh, I'm unfamiliar with a lot more of the ones in these ones. So we got I Magase from Babylon, Angela from Carol and Tuesday, which I still need to watch. I hear it's phenomenal. Um, Askeladd from Vinland Saga. Garo from One Punch Man Season 2, Isabella from The Promised Neverland, and Overhaul from My Hero Academia. Kyle. Okay, so I feel like it's a little unfair because this is the context of the anime, but I really like Askeladd as a character. He's such a good... He's mm-hmm. not, I don't like that he's in the antagonist category. But yeah, he, he's sense. very ambiguous. He, he, is an, he is like the fringes... In, of an anti-hero into an antagonist, but he's... Anyways, I, I'm not going to spoil Villain Saga, but, like, honestly, if we're... Uh, out of all of this, out of all the characters I know, um, I haven't seen Carolyn Tuesday or Babylon, it'd probably have to go to Isabella. Because she is... She develops, like, such a good air of menacing and, like, threatening intent, and it's just so fucking good. Like, mm-hmm. all, of, all of the tension in... Promise Neverland is entirely because of her mm-hmm. and it's because of her character so yeah in that sense like I would absolutely put her as the best antagonist here because I don't really give a shit about overhaul he's kind of a vehicle yeah, same. for the protagonists to shine but Isabella she just is like such an overwhelming force in her own right and it, it really gives you a sense of like threat and scale for the kids and it's just such a she's such a good antagonist Mm -hmm. i wholeheartedly agree harry what are your thoughts i mean i mean like uh in terms of unless i missed one the series i've seen is is obviously my hero academia Mm -hmm. uh i I quite liked gary as an antagonist from one punch man but i kind of agree with kyle i i think overhaul's a perfectly fine antagonist but he's not like remarkable in any way um Mm -hmm. so i mean based on just what I know, I'd have to pick Overhaul. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, he is a, a masterpiece of an antagonist. <laughs> I know this better. I thought, I thought you watched Promise Neverland also. No, I've not seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very, very good. Ooh, I I, I, I kind of I share the same sentiments as Kyle, though, where I'm, 
I'm split between Askeladd and Isabella. Askeladd is just such a downright fascinating character behind his motivations and his actions and why he does what he does, the way he guides Thorfinn, the... I don't know. Like, I I'll almost say Askeladd, at least for part of the series, is the actual protagonist of the series. It's Oh, absolutely. Is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, he is... So, but... Like, you man. root for Askeladd at points, and yeah. then you remember he's a fucking, like, bloodthirsty, pillaging Viking. But yeah. then he also has, like, an internal sense of honor and code and goals uh, that are beyond himself. So, yeah. I, yeah. He's not an antagonist. Fuck off, Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I guess if I were to base... Yeah, if I were to base this purely on antagonist, it would be Isabella for the same reasons Kyle mentioned. She is just such a terrifying, a, a, a silently terrifying character. Oh, She's not God. overtly terrifying. It's just like... That's the worst. Just her, That's the best and worst part. They're just her, yeah, her stare. Exactly. Just Ugh. the way... Just her mere presence around you and the characters is enough to send chills down your spine. Mm. And yes, they do the gen- the usual anime nonsense sometimes where they like show like faces that no one else is supposed to see and things like that but they they really sell the idea that she is always watching and that Mm. she knows everything and that makes the struggle of emma and everyone else just all the more compelling to see this this game of cat and mouse and so that brings us to who we think is going to win and this is this is going to be difficult because yes overhauls for my hero but i think a large amount of people share the same sentiments as we do about overhaul. But my hero is also like on a scale of its own in terms of popularity compared to these other protagonists. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I mean, it goes without saying I'm really enjoying season four and like, yeah. it's, it's really good. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people just vote based on the fact that season four is really good. That, that That's the thing. It's like, yeah. I think people are going to conflate the protagonist, specifically Deku's achievements with, Oh, that's because he had a good villain. Mm. which is uh, right. eh, nah. I really I know that Promise Neverland was popular so I hope people vote for Isabella right it, it's a toss-up between overhaul and Isabella I think but yeah I can I cannot say which one it'll go to and keep in mind there is the the voting panel for this as well between uh, that composed mm. of inter- industry uh specialists mm-hmm. and th- or spe- I don't know but yeah, it's not just not specialists it, it's not just popular vote though yeah yeah, yeah yeah so yeah that that will be an interesting category to keep an eye on all right, moving on to best boy. So we got Bruno Bacirati from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, oh. Golden Wind. Hyaki Maru from Dororo. Kanata Hoshijimi, Hoshijima from Astro Lost in Space, which I need to watch. I hear that's good. Naruzo Machio from How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift. Mob <laughs> from Mob Cycle 100. Oh, and wow. Tanjiro from Kimetsu no Yaiba. Oh, that's... Mm. I mean, I'm going to start off on this one. It's got to be Machio. It's got to be Machio. Really? Machio. For, for, like, th- we're just talking about best boy. We're not talking about, like, best protagonist or anything like that. Mm, but, like, but, but Ma- they're, they're, okay. Good. So, Ma- Machio, Machio is the reason that I kept watching Dumbbells. Because mm. going into it, I thought that this was going to be, like, a beta trainer getting hung over by girls that want to, like, work out. But he is the opposite of a beta. He is like as alpha as he can get. And just like his sheer fanaticism with muscles is infectious. <laughs> like it never gets tired. It never gets boring seeing him blow off his clothes because he said the word ab. <laughs> and like it can't be understated how actually very knowledgeable he is about everything. Like everything he says 
how he emphasizes proper form can be applied to real life workouts. And it all the episode about uh, muscle shows or bodybuilding contests was just eye opening for me because I always knew that bodybuilding contests existed. But it wasn't until that episode was like, yeah, wait a minute. How are those judged exactly? <laughs> you realize you go into the science of it all. It's like, oh, my God. And so, yeah, Ma Machio made it. I cannot think of another character, another boy that had a bigger impact this year than he did for me. So for, right. for me, obviously, I, I love Tanjiro. I love Mob. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Bruno Buterati because uh, I fucking... I thought so. I love the new season of JoJo. Um, wrong with both of it's, you? It is, <laughs> I think it is so good. It's... For me, it's easy, easily the best mm. season so far. Um, and the group of protagonists are very much almost like a boy band where, like, everyone has, like, a different favourite. Um, but for me, like, my, my favourite few episodes of JoJo Golden Wind is uh, when they're on a train and there's two stand users, two antagonists, and one of them has the power to shoot, like, a fishing rod out and hook out your organs with a fishing rod. And the other one has the power to make everyone elderly in his vicinity. And Bruno Buterati has to fight them both simultaneously. And it's the most bonkers, ridiculous, but, but but so entertaining battle. It's just amazing. And I just fucking love his character. He's awesome. He, he does he does arguably more than the protagonist, Giorno. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a he's the best boy for me. So I am a little upset with both of you because <laughs> I don't do well, I mean, I haven't seen jojo part five yeah you need to you need to watch it you need to watch it man <laughs> i just lost it after fucking I, I didn't even finish stardust crusaders it was just so anyway that's that's a whole other reason that, that's a whole other topic of yeah discussion. <laughs> but um so about this category like i i think i have a problem with the way that both of you are approaching the idea <laughs> of what a best boy is <laughs> oh now, boy a best boy uh so similar to how like uh, what a waifu is and like the the male counterpart of husbando you have a best girl and that the, the same qualifications carry over to best boy best boy and best girl what what, what what's, what's that supposed to imply is that this is a character that you want to hug and protect and like <laughs> raise and see thrive because nothing bad should ever happen to them. And that is absolutely mob. So like, I am oh, very that, upset with both of you. That's a fair point. That's a fair argument. That's a fair point. I want to give Machio a hug though. Well, I think that'd I, be I, the most Bruno interesting hug in the world. Oh, you know what? All right. He probably very <laughs> sweaty. But again, it's like, it's people that like you want to succeed, but whether it's them, their environment, or whatever else, they are having a hard time to do so. And you want that for them. And you want to just help them. You want to help them. Machio doesn't fucking need your help. <laughs> he doesn't need your help at all. I assume this JoJo character, because he's in the JoJo universe, he's whatever, he, he, he can fucking handle himself. Oh, he can handle himself. He's fine. Yeah. But, but Mob, Mob, Mob like, can he, handle himself. Mob's really he, powerful. Well, he can. He's, he's uh, but not emotionally. Not, not emotionally. Which mentally. is what is important, especially with season two. Season two, puts him in a much more vulnerable spot. And because of that, like you see him like just want to be a kid mm. and you want that for him and you want him to succeed and you want him to be happy. And that is why he is best boy. You fuckers. <laughs> I, I can't disagree uh, with you to be fair. Like I, I'm just letting yeah. my preference for Jojo shine, but uh, I, I can't, uh, I can't that's disagree why with I, your logic. God, I, I am so, I know that mob's not going to win and it's what going to be very your argument. All right, who do you think will win? Tanjiro, of course. It's fucking Tanjiro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a toss-up between Tanjiro and Machio, actually, because Machio... Machio, Ma really? I, I think Machio made, made waves for a while. He was, like, on so many memes. 
So I, I think All they right. have, and again, it's going to come down to like My. how people define best boy. Mm. All right, moving on to the counterpart, best girl. So we got Carol from Carol on Tuesday, Chika Fujiwara from Kaguya-sama Love is War, oh. Emma from The Promised Neverland, oh. Kohaku from Dr. Stone, mm. Nezuko from Kimetsu no Yaiba, and Raftalia from Shield Hero. Oh my god. How is Raftalia there? Uh, was that, was, was Shield Hero last year? I think it was like winter of last year. So it was at the beginning of last year. That's so, so barely squeezed oh, that, in. That, that feels like a cheap whatever. Maybe, I'm not sure. Anyways, anyway. Kyle, you're up this time. You're up first this oh, time. Oh god. Who I want to win? Yes. Like I I kind of have a hard time with this because okay, so I like Emma, but she doesn't really fit the qualities of a best girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very driven. She like has a goal in mind, but she's not like somebody you want to coddle and protect necessarily. Right. That is definitely Nezuko or Raftalia, but I don't really like either of them because they're both very cute characters, but they don't really have much going for them beyond that. And that's kind of just how the story ended up making them. Nezuko, unfortunately, is kind of just there as like, the goal for Tanjiro to work towards, which is to turn his sister back into a human, right? And Raftalia is, like, just completely dependent on Naofumi, and she doesn't really have her own identity outside of him, which is unfortunate as a character. So it's probably, like, if all right, now I am, I have to clarify this. I am now <laughs> voting with my fucking waifu brain. It's going to go to Nezuko. Oh, wow, okay. Based on your logic from the past round, it is someone who you'd want to protect in a sort of wholesome way so so i'm gonna vote probably go to nezuko i'm gonna vote nezuko too Um, wow okay i was a character i wasn't expecting that from you guys um yeah because nezuko she's cute but she doesn't have much of a character yet in the show Mm. but my vote yeah it's it's how the story's going yeah exactly but i can only base off of what i've seen and what i've seen of chika fujiwara is incredible she is oh half my the god! Reason I that... fucking Chica. Wait, actually, yeah. no. I'm oh, fuck me. I forgot Chica was on that list. Well, no. My, you know what? No, my she's vote discount. Is Chica. She's she's discount not a Chico. So no, I don't feel bad about that. Nah, nah, nah. Chica, Chica is half the reason that Kaguya-sama was as great as it was. Mm-hmm. She was the chaos factor that the show so well puts it. That really, she was so necessary to throwing in the wrenches to both uh, Kaguya and. Shirogane's plans to get each other to confess to each other. Mm-hmm. And just like the sheer, sheer shenanigans she pulls off where she just pull, just will suddenly break out into rap. She'll do a fucking dance for a single ending episode. It, it, I, I love Chica right, so you know much. What? I yeah, would no, love, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm pulling back. Harry, I'm going to leave you in the dust there. I completely like my three <laughs> hours sleep addled mind uh, completely missed Chica in that list. Yeah, I, I'm changing it to Chica. All right. That's, sorry. All right. That's Good. All right. And... Who do we think will win? Oh, Nezuko, of course. I think, yeah, I think Nezuko yeah. is pretty likely. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's much debate there. So not so best animation now. So Attack on Titan season three, hmm. Kimetsu Niraiba, Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia, Mob Psycho 102, Sara Zanmai, or Vinland Saga. Harry, you start us In off. In terms of what I've seen, I think Demon Slayer and Mob Psycho both have amazing animation. Um, but I think it's going to have to be Demon Slayer, if only for episode 19. I think just mm-hmm. that alone is one of, probably the best animation I've ever seen in my life. Like, the most impactful animation scene I've ever seen. So, like, 
yeah, I've got to give it to that, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, for me, it's very, very close with Kimetsu Yaiba, but I, I have to give it to Babylonia in my case, and that's just not that's not just like my fate fanboy winning out in this case, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, not nothing in Babylonia reaches the pinnacle that was episode nineteen of Kimetsu no Yaiba, but it is so consistently amazing in its fight scenes. Like every single episode in Babylonia, just because that's the nature of the game story as well, involves some incredible fight choreography. And Kimetsu no Yaiba has incredible fight choreography too, but it's not every single episode because it has some like lo- uh, some less stressful moments as well, where they're just hanging out, they're training, and things like that. Babylonia is just like one hundred and ten percent constantly and i also have to give credit to just the sound design in babylonia the clashes of all the blows the when you have good headphones on it reverberates through your entire body it is absolutely incredible so yeah my vote goes to babylonia but it's not gonna win it's gonna be Mm. kyle what do you think like i i i feel the same way about harry in that like i i really like i really like mob mob psycho's animation um, but it's, I guess I, I'd say it doesn't have as much chance to shine with season two because season two is a lot more character focused. So it's a lot yeah. of talking heads and like them mm-hmm. in rooms, stuff like that. You had like a really, 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 really good fight scene, like in episode three or four when mob like finally comes into his own. Um, but aside from that, it's a lot of low key stuff. There's like a few more fights throughout, but for the most part, because of just how much more it's on display, I'd probably have to give it to Demon Slayer. Yeah, that's kind of it. It's like Mob Psycho 100 too, like has amazing animation, but it's animation I've still seen before, if that makes sense. Like, like mm, I didn't okay, ever watch okay. Mob Psycho season two and be like, oh my God, what the hell is that? Like, it was all stuff like, that was incredible, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I'd seen it done before in other series. Whereas there were parts of Demon Slayer where I was like, what the fuck? That, like yeah. the, the spinning 3D yeah. room, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, so stuff like that, that I, when I, I was just like, wow. Like, I've never seen anything like that. I remember it was either, it, it, yeah, I was in the first couple episodes where like they're just running through the forest and I'm like, holy shit, this looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Like UFO Table is the only anime studio that I trust that can incorporate CG seamlessly into their animation yeah so as far as like offering a good experience that's also new yeah it'd probably have to go to demon slayer yeah and kimetsu yaiba yeah it's absolutely gonna win as well i don't think there's any question i, I don't think regard. that's a bad win either that's not a bad one yeah I, i'm totally okay with that all right best fight scene emperor crimson versus metallic from jojo levi versus the beast titan and attack on titan mob versus toichiro and mob psycho Tanjiro and Nezuko versus Rui, which is episode 19. Thorfinn versus Thorkel in Vinland Saga. Or Ushiwakamaru versus Tiamat in Fate Grand Order. I think we're all in agreement that it's got to yeah, be Demon Slayer uh, in this one. Uh, like, uh, yeah. next topic. Again, <laughs> as, as much as I love the JoJo fight, yeah, it, it's it's a good JoJo fight. But that Demon Slayer fight, fuck me. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. Has to be bad. The way that it interwove a flashback in the middle of the fight, too. Because I normally despise buys flashbacks in the middle of a play. I always think that they're never necessary. They always grind momentum to halt, but they managed to interweave it so fluidly and they it provided context to uh, Tanjiro's new power so that it didn't come out of nowhere. Mm. And of course, just like the, from a technical standpoint, everything was just firing on all cylinders. So there's just, it, that's it the just, pinnacle. It was the whole direction ever. of the scene as well, like the usage of the music. 
Mm-hmm. It, it just the entire direction of the scene was just absolutely fucking flawless. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I could just gush about that scene all day, but I won't. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Special shout out to uh, Fake Grand Order. That TMF fight was also balls to the wall. Amazing. Uh, and I'm sure that Toei Trophy is the one that you're you were referencing earlier, right, Kyle? Mm-hmm. Probably, I can't remember the name of the character he was fighting, but there there yeah. was like distinctly like a very good like five yeah. minute long just like rapid fire fluid animation cut uh, yeah. just fights. It was great. But. So all all these fights, I'm sure are even the ones I haven't seen are phenomenal. But yeah. I mean, the Demon Slayer one is just hands and tail, hands and heads and tail. What's heads and shoulders above? Heads and shoulders. Knees and, shows, knees knees and, and toes. <laughs> Yeah, just that much better. Moving on, best couple. And this is also another no-brainer, I think. So, Baki Hanma and Kozue Matsumoto from Baki. Kaguya Shinomiya and Miyuki Shiragani from Kaguya-sama. Mafio Sato and Ritsuka Uenoyama from Given. Reo and Mabu from Sarazanmai. Rika and Shun from Maidens in Your Savage Season. And Amir and Historia from Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Kaguya. It's these Kaguya. Are, this is a, these are weird fucking picks. Yeah, no, it's fucking Kaguya. Like, the... I appreciate the LGBT, LGBT picks in this one, but the entire show of Kaguya is just re- revolves around them yeah. being a couple, but not a couple at the same time. Mm-hmm. So can't beat that. All righty. Um, so best comedy. Agretzko mm. season two. How heavy are the dumbbells you left? Isekai Quartet. Kaguya-sama, Love is War. My roommate is a cat. What the heck? That's weird. Um, and Sara's on my. I wouldn't say my roommate is a cat is a comedy, but that's strange. Does it have comedy? It, it is. It, so, it does have comedy, the, but it's not the only one, comedy. The only one of these I've seen is Agretsuko. And even though I think it's a really entertaining series, I don't find it like particularly laugh out loud funny. So I, I'll, I'll abstain from this one. I don't feel like I've seen enough to really comment. Right. For me, it, it would be a toss-up. Because I also wouldn't really consider Dumbbells as a comedy either. So it's a toss-up between Isekai Quartet and Kaguya-sama for me. And I think I have to go with Kaguya-sama because it is original, whereas Isekai is... It relies on the strength of the characters it brings together. Mm -hmm. And it still takes skill to make fun interactions between them. But Kaguya-sama was a brand new experience, so I have Mm -hmm. to give my vote to that. Yeah, I, I probably have to do the same, mostly because I haven't seen Sarazanmai, so I don't know what that's like or the right. And from what I heard, that wouldn't, I, I, that doesn't seem like a comedy to me either, so this whole category seems a little weird. Yeah, whatever, it's Kaguya-sama. Yeah. yeah it, 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 so I think, yeah, it's probably, it's going to be a toss-up between Isekai Quartet and Kaguya-sama. All right, there were a few more uh, categories here, but in... The respect of time, we're going to now go to uh, anime of the year. Can we? Uh, of which can we, can we do best opening sequence? Because we can we can do best op- opening sequence. I, I want to mention that, so. that I think ninety nine point nine from Mob Psycho one hundred two is really really good. Mm-hmm. Right, and the other uh, nominees were wait. Oh, but that's not. Oh, it is a nominee. Okay, yeah. So the nominees are "Kiss Me" for the Carol and Tuesday, uh, "Kawaki wo Ameku no." Uh, oh yeah, Kawaki wo Omeku for a domestic no domestic girlfriend. Wow, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> Inferno from Fire Force, ninety nine point nine from Mob Psycho, Touch Off for Promise Neverland, and Mukanjo for Vinland Saga. Ooh. 
if I had watched Carol on Tuesday, I bet I would vote for Carol on Tuesday because from what I've heard, like the soundtrack for that show is phenomenal. Like I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I have not seen Carol on Tuesday, so I can't vote for it. Uh, my vote would probably go for Inferno yeah. by Fire Force, even yeah. though the show I, I was lukewarm yeah. about. Yeah, but the, the opening was like, it's, so I, I love the opening because it isn't just like other shonen shows where it's like, ah, here's all the characters. It's great because you see all the characters in action. There's like, there, there's like, a, 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 there's a mini problem that they solve in the opening and it's so much fun to watch. You see all of them show off their own unique skills and it's set to a kick-ass fucking J-Math Rock fucking song and it's so good. Yeah, and so I, it's I really unfortunate like because I hear I hear the second opening is not nearly as good. But, but I mean, unfortunate. No. I need to reiterate the Mob Psycho 100 season two opening is so fucking fun. Ninety nine point nine is pretty good. It I actually do so like good. it more than the the OP one. I forget what that one was. Uh, I think it's called ninety nine percent. Which that was yeah. that was a really good opening. That was an amazing opening. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine is very like fun. It's yeah. a very fun mm-hmm. opening. I think the visuals are so bizarre as well, and it fits perfectly with what the series mm-hmm. is. You can tell we just had so much fun doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, and I, I have to give a shout out to the Domestic Girlfriend opening because there is <laughs> a there is a baller piano drop in that. It just gets me every time. The show itself was eh, but yeah, the opening, oh man. And like the visuals too, If it made it look like a much better show than it actually yeah. was. <laughs> Yeah. But I I I, I really love the song. It, it definitely got me hyped for the show and the early goings and made me more hopeful for it. All right, so now on to nominees for Anime of the Year. So we got Carol on Tuesday, Demon Slayer, Mob Psycho 102, O Maidens in Your Savage Season, The Promised Neverland, and Vinland Saga. I mean, I, I, and they're I, all wrong because Fruits Basket isn't on this list. <laughs> I, I think, like you know, my pick will be Demon Slayer at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have interest. What do you think is going to happen with that in future? Because I know they're doing a movie, aren't they? But like, right, so they're doing the movie, and then the second season will come after the yeah. movie. So will the second season like be based after the film, or will, will they like? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, be- so because the film, the film is chronologically the next why, arc in the manga. I have interest. Why are they doing a film and not just a second season? Like so, because it's a very short. It, it arc. is. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It's it. The, the train arc is like very self-contained, um, and it is relatively short. There's not a whole lot of setup to it. So you kind of just jump into it and like all of the exposition takes place during the action, which sounds a lot better or is executed a lot better than it sounds. Uh, but yeah, that I, I can reasonably see it being like an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. That, that's fair then. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, they announced after the first season ended that that's going to be the movie and then the second season will come. After I, I'm the glad movie. they are doing the second season. I was worried that they were just kind of kind of. Oh, there is a, no way this show is not. Yeah. yeah. I was worried they're going to like yeah. do a movie, then maybe just be like, oh, now we'll adapt it via some other means. And it's like, I'm glad they're going to actually do a proper second season at some point. Mm hmm. Alrighty. So Kyle's vote, not Kyle, uh, Harry's vote is Demon Slayer. Yeah. Kyle. <sighs> So I, I think we have to clarify or, or quantify this, right? It's like okay. best overall show. Just like gives me a little bit of comedy, gives me a little bit of action, gives me a little bit of, you know, drama, gives me some fun characters, just very light show to consume. Yeah, Demon Slayer, hands down. But if you're talking about like best character driven, like best narrative, I'd probably give it to O Maidens. 
Yeah, I still need to watch O Maidens because yeah, from everything you've heard and the things that other people have said, it has such amazingly well-written characters that develop in such mm. two steps forward, one step backwards ways yeah. that I love it's, in shows. It's so a stutter step. Similar to how Makoto Shinkai was like making a lot of bullshit melodrama before he made your name, Mario Kata made a lot of I don't want to say bullshit because she's very well done. She's a very good writer, but she relies a lot on very heavy melodrama. And O Maidens was very positive and optimistic for what the content that it dealt with, which I really appreciated. It wasn't like Anahana where it was like every episode was meant to be stabbing you in the gut and putting salt in the wound. It's like, come on, that's like lay off a little bit. And O Maidens has a nice amount of levity to it that I really appreciate, but mm-hmm. it still delves into very mature themes about growing up. Yep. If only it streamed on a service that I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my vote actually goes to the Promised Neverland because in terms of... Oh, wait, that was... Enga- a- Fuck. Sorry, can't take it back. I'm like forgetting all... All right. Whatever. Can't take it back. I can't take it back. Yeah, in, in terms of uh, engagement, like Promised Neverland was its first season and there's going to be a second season eventually, uh, was I think 13 episodes. And I was glued to my seat from beginning to end. There was not a single moment in that show where I was not engaged 150%. And Demon Slayer was fantastic on its own. And as it should, it had its ups and downs in terms of intensity between arcs. But because of that, like I definitely did lose a little bit of attention in between arcs when they were going to the forest and then when it was ramping up. Like Promise Neverland hit the ground running and then took off at mock speed and never stopped. (laughs) And that's what really kept me um, riveted the whole time. And so in terms of just sheer, and that's how I'm judging this, the metric I'm judging this is by engagement, how into mm. the show I was mm. um, on average. It's it's Promised Neverland for me. What do I think is going to win? It's going to be Kimetsu Aiba. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, no, there's, there's no way you're arguing, we're, like, we're, we're arguing that. Yeah, I... Winning. I, I liked last year when the anime of the year was actually a toss-up. We actually thought Violet Evergarden had a chance. Oh, thank um, God. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I think this year, unfortunately, unfortunately and fortunately, because Demon Slayer is a very good show. It deserves yeah, all the praise, I, I, but I don't it makes this process a little less bland. unworthy. I mean, I, I think it was a really solid series. And yeah. I think also whilst I can't say the first season is like, I feel the first season has been really good, but it still has to show like what it can really do. But, like, Kyle, I think you mentioned it just gets better and better in the manga, doesn't it? Like, it does. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, like, it, the manga is still really, really good. And yeah. unlike Hero Academia, like, I don't feel fatigued yet. Like, I just want more Demon Slayer. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But the, so even with, like, Demon Slayer, right? Demon Slayer is a very good show, but y- 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 you get to that point where it's like, okay, yeah, like, they're building up something, clearly. So that's why I think I'd have to, I, I'm still going to give it to O'Maidens, even after considering Promise Neverland is O'Maidens is, is, that is all you're seeing for that story. And it is done. It is told its story. Right. And I can't, having a nice, concise, uh, compartmentalized, contained story in anime that's just a short 13 episodes is so rare and mm. so refreshing when you get a good one. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that it's definitely a strength of a show if it can pull that off for sure. All right, that's a wrap. Yeah, we will come back when uh, Vinland Saga wins end of the year, and we're wrong about every single one of <laughs> oh our predictions. God. I mean, Vinland Saga is. I haven't seen the anime. I've heard yeah. the animation's kind of wonky, but I do love Vinland Saga. 
Yeah, I, I, all, all the shows on this on this list are worthy of winning. I think I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disappointed with any. There's no Violet Evergarden esque ones this time around. Alrighty, so that is a wrap. Thank you for joining us this episode. Now is the time to talk about Goomba Stomp. What is Goomba Stomp? It is the site that our lovely podcast is hosted on, where we post. We talk about all sorts of things besides just anime. We have video games, we have movies, we have TV shows, but we also talk about a lot about anime as well. We posted our best anime of the decade list earlier this month before the change of the decade. It's definitely worth checking out. It was very contentious voting process, but I'm pleased with how it turned out. You can also check out my uh, full review of Weathering With You on there as well if you want some more detailed thoughts on that. In terms of our podcast, I say this every now and then, but I'm going to challenge you, our lovely listeners, once again, that if you enjoyed our podcast or you have something to say or you have a question or you want something for us to talk about, please, please, please leave a comment or review for us. We really appreciate it to know that we aren't speaking out into the ether. We know you're out there. All one of you. We know that you're out there. Yeah, the the one Miku. (laughs) Shout out to the one Miku dude who corrected me on uh, when the gorillas actually performed. Exactly. Yeah, we, we know appreciate you're that. Listening. Correct. Correct us when we're wrong. We know. We know the internet loves correcting people that are wrong. That's what we're here for <laughs> too. Anyways, we are also. We've also expanded our reach to include Spotify as well. So if you are a Spotify nerd and you prefer to listen to us on there, we're on there too. So we're getting farther and farther out. Kyle Rogashon, the all-seeing other eye. Oh, where oh, can I we find you at? Nice. All right. <laughs> Uh, you can find me at like the rogue on Twitter. Uh, I don't really use any other social media platforms, so there you go. Uh, manga recommendations this time. I don't think I've talked about Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko, but I'm going to talk you about Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko, and it is a wonderful series about an android named Alpha who runs a cafe in the post post apocalypse. So it's the post post apocalypse. The post post apocalypse. So like uh. Where she lives, Yokohama, is like 50% flooded. And it's like the, the world has undergone its nuclear holocaust. And there are remnants of society. They aren't thriving. They aren't repopulating. But they are dying a very comfortable death. And it's a very slow, zen, meditative look at just life in general. And it's such a peaceful very tranquil series that also hugely benefits from the style that it's in, which is this like wonderfully drawn, sketchy watercolor esque uh, look at the post post apocalypse. And it helps that Alpha's very cute and drawn in a bunch of like 80s style clothes. And it's got a great fucking aesthetic. But that is my <laughs> manga recommendation for this episode. Sick. Another one to add to the list. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked out the other one that you recommended last episode either. I'm still back on Spy X Family. Oh, Spy X Family. All right. Yeah, just read that too. Yeah. yeah. All right, Harry, where can we find you uh, at? I'm Harry underscore Morris underscore on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to give a music recommendation because oh. I saw oh. I saw Slipknot live last night and they were fucking awesome. Oh my God, awesome. they're still performing? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they were really, really good last night. I've seen it about like 10 times in my life. Um <laughs> So, but like I saw them obviously playing the new songs because last year they had an album out called We Are Not Your Kind. Uh, it's a great album. So if you're into that kind of thing, then yeah, check it out. I think it's a really good album. One of their best and they're touring currently and they're very good. And what kind of music are they? Uh, they're a metal band. 
But uh, okay. yeah, very much the band of my teenage years. So, oh, so yeah, see, check yeah. out the new Slipknot album. It's really Fond good. Fond memories. Fond memories, yeah. All right. And you can find me at Musing Mojak, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. I'm also the anime editor on Goomba Stomp for all of your anime needs. Uh, my anime recommendation, I'm getting caught flat-footed right now because I couldn't think of one. So I'm just going to go back to Fruits Basket and reiterate that how important of a message it has for you to watch as a human being. Is it, it is just is what's out just all that I need to watch? Are there more seasons coming out? There's going the next the next season is next season. Oh, there is a new season. Okay. So Yeah, so the the more. and the important part is that the original animated the original anime back in the early 2000s, it only covered up to what this new uh series has covered and then it stops. So this next season is going to be never before animated is that because content the for the author manga. was writing it at the time. No, it was done. It was just like, it just finished. They just it just there? didn't. Oh, okay. they just, yeah, they just stopped. They didn't do more. I'm not sure if it was popularity issues or what. But yeah, this new series is animating the entirety of the manga. And we are getting into now never before animated content. So, so I'm, Matt, as somebody who's very, uh, you know, has an affinity for Freaks Basket, what would you say to people who are wary of it being a shoujo series? Yeah, it's Toru isn't falling in love constantly with all these boys and girls. Um, it's her helping these other people. The emphasis isn't on the romance. The emphasis is on her helping these other people who are struggling throughout their lives for one reason or another, overcome their um, fears and apprehensions. And that's what makes that's the the special message it holds. So there's that. There we go. Alrighty, sweet. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Ciao. 